0: Good morning. Good morning. All right. Invite you to join me in the reading of God's word this morning from the book of Colossians, chapter one. Um, on the pew Bible, it's on page 983, and we'll begin chapter one um, at verse nine. Um, and Paul is speaking to the church at Colossae, um, following hearing of their love and faith after hearing the gospel. by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. The very word of God. Thanks be to God.
1: All right. Well, thanks for having me back. It's just a blessing to be here again with you all. Uh, when we were back praying a few little while ago, they told me that I had five minutes. Um, so that's good news for you. Um, I might use those five minutes about six different times, um, but um, I'm going to try to do what really seems impossible as i'm trying to was trying to prepare this message and that is to sum up and talk about redemption in just one sermon because when we talk about redemption we talk about the whole narrative of the scripture i mean we have a lot there have been books and books Um, There are all kinds of fancy theological words like propitiation and substitutionary atonement and all these different things that are related to this idea of redemption. And I have five minutes. okay? Um, so, you know, there's only so much I can do. And so I'm going to try to do my best um, to approach this idea of redemption as we see it connected to the story of the Bible and the story that we've been going through that starts in creation. And I'm also going to try to go at it from a slightly different way, hopefully, than you have had it thrown at you before. But to start, I want to review. And this very badly drawn graphic up here is my artwork, okay? I will by no means claim to be an artist, okay? But this is a tool that we use with our students. Um, It's called the Four Circle Gospel. I know you all have done the Three Circle Gospel. But I kind of want to lead into our message today by using this, and then we'll lead out towards the end. I'll finish it as we go through the message. So let me ask you a question. When you think of the world we live in today, what are some of the characteristics that define it? You can say it out loud. Don't be afraid. If you are watching the news, okay, what are some of those characteristics that are used to describe the world we live in today? Chaotic, Chaotic. I like it. Self-absorbed, Self-absorbed. Divided. divided, hate. Who is this? Godlessness, Godlessness hate. Lies. Okay, anything else? Anger. Sin. I mean, all of those words are not very positive, right? Um, the words that we are using here to describe the world we live in, unfortunately, are all around this idea of brokenness. And we live here. We live in this world that is broken, okay? Okay. And here's the thing, because we recognize that there is something that's broken, it seems to point that there was something or there was a time when things weren't broken, right? If things are broken, then there was some, it's something to compare it to, where it was whole, when it was good. And so what we talked about two weeks ago is that in our worldview as Christians, what we believe is that God created the earth, he created all that was in the earth, He created the universe, and then He put humans within the earth. Okay? And He created all things to be in harmony with Himself, He created all things to be in harmony with each other, for humans to have relationships, good relationships with one another, and for humans to have good relationship with the rest of creation. And then God called it very good. And God desired that this very goodness be something that would continue for all eternity. But yet, we do not live here. We live here. And so the question is, what happened? And that's what Dave talked about last week from my understanding. With the fall, human beings, Adam and Eve, the first of us, They chose to go their own way. They rebelled against God. They thought they could do it just as well as God could and decided to disobey and rebel against His commands or His one command. And through that, all of a sudden, sin, death, brokenness, division, all those words that you said entered into the picture. And so we see a broken world Then we see broken relationships between humans. Broken relationship with God. It's all damaged by evil. It's damaged by sin. That's where we've been so far. Creation two weeks ago. The fall. The question is, does the story end there? Because if it does... Wow, that's sad. Fortunately for us as Christians, we believe that the story does not end there. And that's where we get to this third circle. That's where we get to this idea of redemption because God, He did not want to leave us in this brokenness. Because God desired us to be in the state of very goodness. And so in order to correct this brokenness, God entered into our story through His Son, Jesus, who lived a life, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the dead to defeat death itself and to bring us peace with God. Now, we still live in a world that's broken, right? But our hope is There will be restoration someday. But I think that's a sermon for next week. So what we want to talk about and really focus ourselves on today is this movement, this intervention of how God injects Himself into the story in His Son Jesus and brings redemption and not only provides peace between Himself And us as humans, but makes a way for us to get back to that very good creation where we can spend eternity in his rest. So let's pray as we get started. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. We lift you up as the only name that we can turn to, that we can look to, that brings redemption. And not just redemption to ourselves and to our bodies, but redemption to all of creation. Lord, Your act of coming and dying and raising from the dead shook the universe. It changed things. And Lord, that's the reality we live in. That's the reality we want to live in. And that's the reality our world needs to know. So Lord, as we look into Your Word As we look at this idea of your redemption, Lord, may your spirit be with us, amongst us, freely speaking within us, leading us into deeper and deeper love, grace, forgiveness, and knowledge of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, the fall. Okay, that's where we were last week. That's where y'all kind of, I think, just had to rest in that for some time, right? That's kind of how y'all ended. You see, the fall changed things because it distorted God's very good creation and set us on a path. But here's the thing. God did not want us to stay on that path of brokenness, okay? And we just mentioned that as we went through the circle. And that's ultimately where we see Jesus but we we see God beginning and showing hints of his redemptive acts way before Jesus so if we think about the old testament let's let's go back to the story of the fall and Adam and Eve i want you to just listen for one second as we look at that story or as we let me I'll tell you a little bit about the end of that story. As Adam and Eve realize they are naked, they try to cover themselves with leaves and other things. But that's not sufficient. And what does God do? God, before He sends them out, He covers them in skin. Well, we could just breeze right over that and just act like it's nothing. But here's the thing that's the first animal sacrifice. Blood was spilt and they were covered. Their sin, their shame was covered. That's the beginning of we see of hints of God's redemptive acts through Jesus all the way within the fall narrative itself. But then if we go a little further and we we go to the Exodus story, um, the Exodus being this prime example in the Old Testament of what redemption looks like. God redeems. He rescues His people from the Egyptians. What's the very last plague? It's the death of the firstborn. How does that plague unfold? Well, it unfolds by God going to His people, telling them to kill a lamb and then to wipe the blood on their doorframe so that the angel of death will pass over. Once again, blood was spilt. Shame and sin covered. The angel of death pass over. Powerful story. So many parallels with Jesus that I just don't even have time to go into. And then we go a little bit further and God gives to, to the people, He gives them the law. He gives them the temple and the tabernacle. And within the law is the sacrificial system that provides an opportunity for the people to atone for their sins by sacrificing animals, by spilling blood, by having their sin covered. Sometimes weekly, sometimes um, daily, sometimes annually with the Day of Atonement. Now, these things that we see within the Old Testament, they were not sustainable. Because I don't think God ever intended them to because God's plan all along was once creation fell, once humankind fell and rebelled, He had a plan that involved Jesus. And so all of these things in the Old Testament, they're foreshadows of Jesus. They're just little hints and glimpses of what God's going to do. And when we end the Old Testament in the Old Testament time period, it's pretty dark. Because there's no sustainable solution for God's people or for anyone else for that matter to have their sins forgiven sustainably and for death to be defeated. But, things change. Look at Galatians 4.4 4 with me. I think I have it up there. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Or we could say daughtership there as well. So at the right time, at the set time, God intervenes. Things were dark. God's people were starting to become hopeless. But God intervenes. And it says here, Paul says, He intervenes to re, means to redeem. So what does it mean to redeem? What is this word redemption? What does it mean? How do we define it? Okay, Now, a basic... That's an interesting formatting. Um, I looked up definitions on just your basic... Google search definition from Merriam-Webster or whatever.com, okay? So these are your basic definitions, okay? An act of atoning for a fault or a mistake, deliverance and rescue from evil or from lots of spaces evil and in a more theological sense, deliverance from sin. Okay? So that is what we see the word redemption specifically defined as. So what we could say is with Galatians 4, so that when the time was right, God intervened into history to rescue His people from evil and deliver them from their sins through Jesus. That's redemption. That's a picture of it. Now, let's go back to Colossians. Okay, so if you have that, go back to Colossians, what we had read earlier. And let's just focus in on verse 12 through 14 real quick. And then 19 through 23. So Colossians, we're going to look at verse 12 through 14. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now let's skip over to verse 19-23. through 23. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on or earth, were things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed. Okay, so let's look at that real quick. And let's compare it to our definition. Okay? We see the first one, an act of atoning for a fault or mistake. In verse 20, Jesus' death made peace with God through His blood. He atoned for a mistake by His blood. Number two, deliverance and rescue from evil. In verse 13 it says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And then, deliverance from sin. Verse 14, He redeemed us for the forgiveness of sins. It's crazy, but it's true. This is the Gospel. This is what Paul says is the Gospel. This is what he says is being preached to every creature. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus who was born of a virgin, who came, who lived a life... who was taken prisoner by the Romans, who was crucified, whose crucifixion and blood that was spilt offered us forgiveness of sins. And then He rose from the dead and that through His resurrection, death itself, the old foe, has been defeated and you and I have new life to reign eternally with Jesus. Amen? That is redemption, and that is what is being preached by Paul and everyone else. It's Jesus. It's Jesus' death. It's Jesus' resurrection. If we want to know what resurrection is, we or redemption is, we look to Jesus. And we find it in Jesus. And we find it only in Jesus. This is the good news. And I wonder if this is the good news that our culture hears today. I mean, I think a lot of people generally, whether they're Christian or not, have heard this message generally that that Jesus came and died and rose, rose from the dead and forgave us of our sins. They're familiar with that part generally. So why isn't the Gospel good news to them? Why isn't redemption something that speaks more clearly to them? You ever wonder that? Why aren't more people flooding to our churches? Because we have a lot of broken people, right? This world is full of brokenness. You know, when we described the world earlier, the only adjectives we used were not positive. Lies, deception, hate. War, violence. I mean, all of these things define our war world. It's brokenness that we live in, that people live in. Lots of people are broken and apart from God. And yet, why aren't more people flocking to the redemption that can be found in Jesus? So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. The next five minutes that I have. Um What I want to try to do is I want to look at three key elements that I think are oftentimes missing in how we explain the redemption of Jesus. And if we can get these things right, we add the fullness to the picture, and I think it speaks to our culture. Okay, So the first of these things is that the redemption of Jesus must not be limited to personal salvation, but seen as the redemption of all creation. Okay, Too many times we as Christians think of redemption as just me and Jesus. And that's good, because it certainly is. But it's also so much more. Remember, God created all things, all of creation and wants everything to return to that state. In Romans 8, which we talked about two weeks ago, it said that creation itself is groaning, awaiting the redemption of the sons of God. Creation. All of creation. Christ's redemptive work is not simply for you and I. It's for all of creation. It's for all people. It's for all people groups. It's for all this whole entire planet. And if we limit it just to ourselves, we're not preaching the fullness of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and the fullness of His redemptive power. Enough said. So we must communicate this full picture the cell, the second element often missing is that the redemption of Jesus is not simply a future reality but a present reality as well okay this is one of the biggest things okay because I've heard so many Christians and I probably have been prone in other times in my life to say this as well is that we we treat Redemption is something that only happens when we go to heaven. Here's the problem, though. That's not true. God desires us to be rescued, to be forgiven of sins here and now. Not just some future time when we go to heaven. Here and now. He wants our lives to be transformed now. If we are preaching the Gospel to people who are broken and who are hurting, and all we say to them is, well, someday when you get to heaven, all things will be better. Well, that doesn't preach to them. Because they're struggling with what I'm struggling with now. What about my addiction? What about my broken marriage? What about my terrible family relationships? What about my depression? Those are the things they're wondering. Any Gospel that we preach and any redemption that we talk about in Jesus must include the fact that this is a present reality, not just some future. Because if we don't, we are offering a Gospel that is not the Gospel of Jesus. So in 2008, my wife and I, Lorraine, we went to Haiti. Um, we we moved to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, which is up on the, the northwest side. And as we got there, it didn't take long to recognize the influence of voodoo on the lives of most Haitians and even Haitian Christians. And the joke in Haiti is that Haiti is 70% Catholic. Protestant, and 100% voodoo. Okay? That's the joke that people like to mess around about. But there's some truth to it. And the question is, why? And one of the reasons, I think, is that churches had done a good job teaching about going to heaven and redemption as a future reality. But when it came to their everyday lives a lot of Haitians would visit the witch doctor because the witch doctor offered to help them solve their most immediate problems. We might think that this is crazy theology, which it is, but you can see the point. Any theology of redemption that leaves out the present benefits of Christ's redemption is not only bad biblical theology, but it is harmful to the lives of believers. So, let me declare to you all today that the addiction you're struggling with can be overcome by the redemptive work of Jesus. That broken marriage you're in can be rescued and mended by the redemptive work of Jesus. Your broken family relationships can be healed by the redemptive work of Jesus. The stress, the anxiety, the depression that often overtakes you can be released By the redemptive work of Jesus, you are forgiven and set free and not just in some future reality, but here and now. The redemption of Jesus is not just good news because we get to spend eternity with God without suffering, but because the freedom and life abundant Jesus promises begins now. That's good news and it's good news worth experiencing and it's good news worth sharing. Good news our culture is desperate to hear. The final element often missing is we talk about redemption. Is that even though the work of redemption was done by Jesus, Jesus, he desires to involve us in the process of leading people to redemption so turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and i might have it up there but 2 Corinthians 5:17 through 20 2 Corinthians 5:17 through 20 says We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So, though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That's a message we are tasked with sharing. So, even though Jesus does the work, He's done all the work. His crucifixion, His death, his resurrection, he's done the work. But oh, what joy it is to be considered co workers in the gospel, that we might become ministers of reconciliation. Did you know you're a minister? You know you're a minister of reconciliation? This is your calling, this is your identity, this is your DNA as a Christ follower is to be a minister of reconciliation, to proclaim, to lead people to the redemption that can only be found in Jesus. The very same redemption that you yourself have experienced. Our final semester when we were in Haiti, we witnessed one of the most devastating natural disasters this world has ever seen. In 2010, the January of 2010, the earthquake hit Haiti, and in a blink of a, just a blink of an eye, 250,000 people lost their lives. Over 300,000 were injured. Over a million people displaced. The country was hurting. People. Hurting, and I remember I was teaching in Bible college at that at that time, and we decided not to have a class, and we decided to take my decided to take my students to the hospital, and to just pray over people. And wh- while we were there, I remember we we went through these rooms, and they had just people just shoved in everywhere, but the most memorable to me was I came up upon this one area around the corner, and there was this baby girl. 18 months old. She had a huge, like, bandage gash on her head, on her side, on her leg. Not moving, not talking much. That in itself can just, oh, right? And then right beside her was another young gal. I mean, she was probably, I don't know, 12 to 15. And I think think it was her sister. And we started talking with the sister and she told us the story of how this girl, this baby girl had lost her her father. And then during the earthquake when it hit, the mom was holding the baby. The mom did not make it. But the baby did. And it gets real, right? got really real. Lots of people just like this little girl that they lost a lot of people. But here's the thing also. That little girl was rescued. She was rescued. And most of the people who got rescued were not rescued by super troopers or Marvel superheroes. They were rescued by ordinary people. Ordinary people who were willing to dig through the rubble and help people find a way out, to find rescue. Friends, when we understand what it's like to be redeemed ourselves, to be rescued by Jesus from the rubble of our own lives, we should want nothing else but to rescue others from their own rubble. There are people all around us. People that God has placed in our lives. Neighbors, coworkers, family members, even friends whose lives are buried under the rubble. They need rescued. They need the redemption that only Jesus can offer. And they need us to help them begin picking up the broken pieces As we go to the last of this four circles The very last of the four circles is after we recognize the redemption we have in Jesus We then are sent by Jesus to heal. We are sent together to go and take this message of redemption, of reconciliation to all the world. We are sent together to heal. We are sent together to help people take apart the rubble that they find themselves buried under. We are ministers We are ambassadors of the redemption and reconciliation through the power and redemption of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we close, I want to leave leave us with two challenges. First of all, I want... To encourage us all to embrace the redemption of Jesus as a present reality. All of us. Not just people out there. I'm talking about us in here. Let us not be afraid of or overcome by evil, sin, addictive behaviors, or broken relationships. But let us embrace the rescue and freedom of Jesus. And I am sensing that there are some of you today who haven't experienced this and are longing to. Let today be that day. Don't delay. Paul says it is for freedom that you have been set free. It's time to start walking in it. So, my first challenge, embrace the redemption of Jesus as a present reality in your life, not just a future reality. Second, I want to challenge each of you to go and share this message of redemption with at least one person this week? I know I'm asking a lot. But I'm really not. Because for people who have been saved, who have been redeemed, who have experienced the grace and love of God, it should not be difficult for us to share that with someone else. The love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. If we were with ink an ocean fill and were the sky of parchment made on every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. What a beautiful hymn. But how true. And if we believe that to be true, it should not be difficult for us to want to share that immense love that we sing about with other people. And so I know that as I've been talking, the Lord has been revealing to you through the Spirit people who you need to go talk to. I believe it to be true. God has been speaking to you and annoyingly probably speaking to you and putting somebody's face in your mind, some name on your heart. I challenge you to go share with them this message of redemption this week. There are people who are trapped under the rubble of life and we know the One who can rescue them. Let's tell them the good news this week. Now, May we go in power of the One who has rescued us, redeemed us, and has loved us and called us His own. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we come before You and we just can do nothing but just fall on our knees and just say thank You. You have done the work. You have went before us. You you have bled and You have died and You have forgave us of our sins. You have risen from the dead and You have overcome death. And Lord, You promised that we too will overcome death. And that the life that we experience is not just eternal, but it is now. It is for freedom You have set us free. And Lord, You want us and everyone we know to know this freedom. Lord, help us to not be people who have the good news and don't tell it. Help us to not be that light that's hidden under a bowl, but to have that light shining bright for all to see. For Lord, your redemption is what turns the story from being bad news to being good news. May we live in that good news and may we bring others to it as well. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.